Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. A little bit of a different look in the Planet Kia studios today. Going to have to call an audible. My voice, not exactly 100%. We're playing a little hurt. And not only that, but I don't have the first part of this show of Weston Walker because Wes, he's off doing the good dad thing, taking care of his kid. And so, yes, my co-host is going to be the one and only Josh Fitty Marlowe. So not only is Fiddy going to be co-hosting with zero Wes on the show, but I'm also playing hurt and I might have to defer to him on some things. And so Fiddy is going to have more airtime than certainly average that he usually gets. (laughs) And this guy was pumping his chest before the intro actually played because he's so ready. And in fact, I kid you not, this is a true story. Fiddy told the girl that he was talking to, Hey, I'm going to be on the air a lot more today, so make sure you tune in to WFNC <laughs> from 12 to 3 p.m. That is a true story, Fiddy. I love you so much because of just how you you are. And you telling your girl that you're talking to that fact with Wes being out, it just it, it embodies everything you're about on the airway. And the best part was like she she thought I was lying. Because she, she listens to the show, I'm not going to say frequently, but enough to realize that I don't talk a whole lot. Uh-huh. Or I, I don't talk, I, I do talk a lot, but I don't talk as much as y'all do. So she's like, are you sure? Because whenever I listen, I don't hear you. And I'm like, well, you, well, you know, the other guy's not there. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to talk. It feels like last summer when it was just me and Willie in here for then four hours. Now I have you all to myself for three the only thing is, is the produced open that I demanded for the Walker and Fitty show got lost mm, in the system. That's so. tough. Yeah, because Willie's got one when you play the public service, <laughs> an, a service announcement beat. So, yes, there are a couple people. JJ just right again. Fitty a few times. NASCAR Brad is hyped up. Hell yeah. Let's go Fitty and uh, giant Willie fan. Well, he did say give me Fitty over Willie P any day. Man, Willie P. <laughs> unfortunately for Willie, I know he created a few enemies on the morning show today. So. You know, that's tough. He was going after Brian Burns. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. And he even dropped that today. <laughs> Did you hear it? No. He, he dropped a seriously. It wasn't that high. It wasn't Mickey Mouse high, but he did drop a seriously. And I was like, yes, he said it. <laughs> His catchphrase. He said it. And uh, K-Town Mafia asked me, Walker, did you have too many D's nuts yesterday? Yeah, you're going to have to go check out the website, WFNC.com, oh. to hear the Terry Rozier D's nuts segment. Yes, you're hearing that correctly. That is a segment that actually exists on WFNC.com. I know you had to be loving that segment the entire time you were producing it, Fitty. I mean, to know how uncomfortable you were saying that to a professional basketball player. Hey, I I embraced it. Don't look at me. Well, no, you did. But like, you know, and then Terry's just sitting there like, what did you just say to me? Really? How do I say this? Was really proud of Terry for not making me use the dump button. But then was equally disappointed because I'm like, that would just have been prime Terry if I have to dump him. Because he drops an expletive talking about D's nuts. He he at the podium during media day when it was his time to speak to the media, 
He almost went the entire session without dropping an S-bomb, but he did. At the very end, there were a couple that he dropped, and I think he was talking about the candy bar. I think he was, because he was talking about the candy bar. Somebody, I think it was Willie. Willie asked him, have you tried the candy bar yet? He said, yes, I've tried it about three or four times today. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't try this bleep anymore, something like that. And I raised my hand. I was like, yeah, that's Wesson Walker's fault. (laughs) (laughs) We had way too much fun with the title of that candy bar. And Terry handled it in good fun. And the last thing, the little peek behind the curtain, as we were exchanging, Terry Rogier and Mark Williams was stepping onto the mic. Mark Williams said, yo, that was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We went to commercial break. He said, Terry, that was crazy. (laughs) Terry starts laughing, walks off, and media day continues. We'll have a media day top five takeaway segment in the one o'clock hour. I believe Colin, the Hornets, Hoggard, historian, whatever order you want to put that in, he's going to be hopping on with us at 120. Joe Person going to be talking about the Panthers at one o'clock. So still despite no west we are going to have a jam-packed show for you today a little late pulling up to the scene fitty's got a little more responsibility today but we're still pulling up let's open up the doors fitty and get off the bus we look good getting off the bus i got something to say last week we had the scott fitterer conversation we asked people who you wanted to criticize the most And Scott Fitterer was the answer. Only a little above David Tepper. But Frank Reich was third on that list, Fitty. A lot of people texting in. And Frank Reich, while there were some mentions there, he was still clearly number three. I don't think that's the case this week. I don't know if you get the same feel. But I think a lot of why there is so much more criticism for Frank Reich, it's because you thought Minnesota was the team that you could get a little right on. Yep. And you only scored six offensive points. And really, it was because the defense played very well, forcing a couple of turnovers. One, that led to a touchdown. And the other one, you were able to score at least six points because Minnesota wasn't able to gain momentum offensively. Now we're asking, how much faith do we have, not only in the coaching staff, but with the entire organization? Here's Frank Reich's message about how you should keep the faith. We understand. We understand the discouragement. um, But the message is, you know, I mean, keep the faith. I mean, this is... You know, we are turning over every stone, um, making every effort um, to get results now. You know, we know that's what the fans want. That's what we want. Um, That's what Mr. Tepper wants. So um, I believe there's been encouraging things. I believe we are a young team that is developing and growing. Even though we're here to win now, we are growing and developing. And that doesn't have to wait a year. We we can grow in season. And we have, you know, new staff. A lot of turnover in the roster, so maybe more of an opportunity for us to meld and mesh together as the season goes on. So I'm looking forward to that, and uh, we know it's our responsibility to give the fans something to cheer about, and um, so we look forward to doing that. A lot of people have compared Frank Reich's latest commentary at the podium to that of Matt Rule and how people were really frustrated to hear Matt Rule give a similar message, keep the faith. And then we go to the Jay-Z comment, which is one of the top five worst moments in Matt Rule's history. Yes, a Jay-Z comment where he said, I tell the guys all the time, 
It took seven years for Jay-Z to become an overnight sensation. We are not nearly that bad. I do think Frank Reich takes a lot more accountability. Maybe too much. If you look at the Adam Thielen play call where he said he didn't get a play call in on time because he didn't realize Adam Thielen wasn't in on the field. And that's why he had to alter it. And that was just that was awful all around. But with all of this, I ask you, Fiddy, how much faith do you have in this team after Frank Reich is playing with you and the fan base to continue to have some faith? Uh, it's 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 not much, Walker. Um, you're 0-4 first time since, I think, 2010. Carolina's gotten off to that, that type of start. And I think what's really frustrating for me as a guy that endorsed the Frank Reich hire that was behind it once they made it clear Steve Wilkes was not going to be retained after he did a great job as the interim, is he's making the same mistakes here that got him fired in Indianapolis. And I was of the belief that I I, I don't mind hiring fired coaches that get fired mid-year because you get six, eight weeks to examine what you did wrong that got you fired. And so far through four games with the way they handled the offseason and the preseason, I don't think that's happened. I don't think we got a evolved Frank Reich. I think we got a Frank Reich that is doing the same things that while he was somewhat successful in Indianapolis, it wasn't enough to keep him from getting fired. And now he finds himself at at 0-4 with more questions than answers. All right, so let's read some of the text. 704-570-9610. You can text us how you're feeling about your faith level in Frank Reich and the organization. In Bryce Young, 704 wrote in, Frank is a proven loser. We did have 704 also say, keep the faith, LMAO, the only coach that I trust is Ajero Avero, which has been somebody that has been doing a very good job. I did want to read some tweets from national pundits, shall we? Let's go over some of the blame game from some of the pundits out there. A lot of criticism towards Bryce Young, especially with C.J. Stroud balling right now, throwing for over 1,200 yards. We were looking at it today, even with Bryce Young having missed a game. Probably not great that C.J. Stroud has thrown for 700 yards more on the season than Bryce Young has. Yeah, That's astonishing through the first quarter of the season. Dan Orlovsky is here to tell you this, though. Bryce Young is going to be just fine. The offense is crippled in Carolina right now with zero running game, zero pass or poor pass protection, way too lateral passing game. And then against Minnesota, Bryce had some really good moments and there were four to five snaps of what the heck is this defense or the blitz that really hurt their offense. He's going to be fine. And then he added the Panthers. So there's some faith in Bryce Young. Go to a tweet from JP Acosta. If you want to see a team with zero trust in their receivers to do anything, watch the Carolina Panthers. Jordan Reed, ESPN draft analyst, he quote tweeted it. He said, no ball winners or separators on the outside. Everything has turned into screens and quick game. As a result, they're going to have to double dip at wide receiver this offseason in parentheses, the free agency and the draft because the wide receivers are that poor. And Fiddy, here we are talking about the offensive line being another issue as to why this offense isn't performing. Chandler Zavala has allowed 28 pressures. 28. I mean, it's actually brain melting how bad that stat is. It, it's it's brain melting in the worst of ways. 28 pressures. The next most amount of pressures allowed by a guard this season, it's 14. Astonishing how bad Chandler Savala has been. 
you put all that together on top of what is some bad play calling and way too lateral passing game, as Dan Orlovsky put it, then who wins? It's hard to keep the faith when you don't know who to direct all of the blame towards because everybody shares a ton of it and how the offense is looking drastically different than what we expected coming into this season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just an offense that doesn't have an identity. There's no faith in anyone to actually do their jobs. And and here's the thing. The play, the, the players know it. The players know it the way the game plan is being put together and the way the game is being called on Sundays, that there's a lack of faith in them. And that, that directly impacts their performance on the field. And so, you know, I, I think this is something where – um, they don't have the answer, so I think it makes it hard for us to have the answers. And I think this is an offense that needs to, needs to basically start over and figure out, okay, what do we do well and build off of it? Because through four weeks, outside of a good run game in the first half or so at Atlanta and some good running from Chuba Hubbard this past Sunday against Minnesota – I don't know what this offense does well. All right, we have some more text to read, trying to figure out what this offense can do well, maybe a little bit later on, and we can talk about your faith or lack thereof in this team. Coming up next, we'll continue to discuss the criticism, where it should be aimed, and let's ask the question whether Frank Reich trusts his own quarterback. Not not just you, does the head coach trust his starting quarterback? We'll get to that in just a moment. It's Wes and Walker with Fitty filling in, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, Fitty filling in for one Wes Bryan. We're here to remind you about the NASCAR Cup Series. It's returning to Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Bank of America Roval 400. The Charlotte Roval. And WFNZ has your chance to win tickets if you want a shot to see all of the playoff action. Text keyword race. Text just one word. Text race to 704 704- 570-9610 to the WFNZ text line again 704-570-9610 race and you will be registered to win tickets to the Bank of America Roval 400 speaking of that text line let's go to it and read some of the comments about the Carolina Panthers how much faith you have in Bryce Young and Frank Reich the organization overall. And let's go to a couple of the texts earlier on. 980 said Tepper said he wanted an offensive coach. Well, he got an offensive coach, the way that Frank Reich is putting the product out there. Very nicely done. K-Town Mafia deserved it, deserved it. K-Town Mafia said all we heard was how good of a processor Bryce is. The offense he's been given doesn't even allow Bryce to process anything, which is hindering any kind of growth for him. Cam tweets things, wrote in, I have 100% faith in Bryce, absolutely 0% faith in Scott Fitterer, and the swagless Frank Reich. I saw the video clip. I think Sheena Quick retweeted it after what we saw last year. It was of Steve Wilkes amplify like just uh amplifying the mood in the locker room after a big old win where they ran for 170 yards and it was pj walker getting the job done at qb and then there's this dramatic handing of the football off to pj walker it's crazy because pj gave us an all-time performance against tampa not nearly as good of a performance against atlanta but in the second half he did show up and then we had sam Darnold at the very end and here we are fitty with an offensive mind 
with the number one overall pick, somebody that won as much as they did in Alabama, and the offense with P.J. Walker, who, by the way, couldn't win a backup job with Chicago, and Sam Darnold, who is the current backup as we speak, those guys leading the offense with Steve Wilkes looked a lot better than what it looks like right now. Not exactly fair to compare. It's not apples to apples, but it still doesn't do any favors for Frank Reich and what this offense looks like compared to what we saw last year. I know there aren't balls getting batted down at the line of scrimmage left and right. Does this offense kind of look like what we saw last year with Baker Mayfield and Ben McAdoo before they moved before Baker got hurt and they moved on like their inability to sustain drives, to to really have an identity and stick to it, it's it's really maddening. And more importantly, if you go back to the Jet preseason game, Panthers lose, I think it was 20 to nothing. Remember, Frank Reich said, yeah, we didn't game plan. We didn't put our guys in position to be successful because we're saving that for the regular season. Are you still saving it, Frank? Because we still haven't seen anything. The arrogance that that, that staff handled the preseason offensively where the rookie quarterback didn't play a whole lot and you didn't really put a whole lot into the preseason. It's come back to bite them in the butt because through four weeks, they still don't know who they are and what they do well. And you know what else is a big problem here is I'm comparing what happened last season to this season. A lot of people are doing that. 704 wrote in. So we let a coach go that was starting to win and we hired a coach that got fired for losing Yeah, faith is pretty low currently, no matter what Frank Reich is telling us to do. That was always going to be a ton of pressure on David Tepper and any decision maker when deciding who that next coach was going to be. Because not only do you have to pick the right coach, you were letting someone go that won and provided an identity in a time of real loss. When Matt Rule had this morale surrounding the franchise at an all-time low. I mean, pretty damn bad. I don't want to be too dramatic, but when you go one and four, Baker Mayfield and that offense, it looks so bad. And then Steve Wilkes comes in, and after one game against the Rams, yeah, where they looked horrible, they fixed it. They made adjustments. They started running the football. The offensive line, it was healthy. They were playing well. But they even performed well with a less talented running back in Deontay Foreman. They got rid of Christian McCaffrey. They started running well with Deontay Foreman, with Chuba Hubbard, Blackshear coming in on third down, passing opportunities. DJ Moore started to eat a little more with Sam Darnold at the QB position. They still didn't have a passing, a pass catching tight end. Hayden Hurst is a better tight end than what they had last year. Ian Thomas, still, you saw it in the end zone, not being able to make that play. Beginning uh, of the end. What I thought was a decent located ball, a decently accurate pass from Bryce Young in what was a tight window. Like, he threw it. People are clamoring for Bryce Young to throw it in tight windows. You had to in the red zone. He did. I thought he put it on a nice spot for, for Ian Thomas to make a play, and Ian just couldn't do it. And so when you let that guy in Steve Wilkes walk out of the franchise – Like you just say, nope, we're going with Frank Reich and we're going to put an all-star staff around him and it still goes this poorly to start the season. Man, that just adds all that much more pressure because of what you had in the building that you let go. This wasn't like Steve. Hell, we have the other variety of the coach being out there that you could have hired. He's coaching in Indianapolis right now. Yep. So it's not even the bad part with Steve Wilkes is that you had him here. He grew up here. Yeah. 
He was Charlotte. He, he is Charlotte. He was our very own. And you decided to go with Frank Reich. So you have that variety of a miss. And you also have a variety of a miss where you did have an offensive guru. You had him in Shane Steichen, but reports were that he didn't impress in the interview process. Those were the reports. Yep. And so while Shane Steichen was one of the top candidates out there for everybody else, he goes to the Colts and, man, look what he's doing with Anthony Richardson right now. It looks good. It looks like a good offense where you have a lot of limited things working without even Jonathan Taylor, who is now eligible to come back. You're you missing in a variety of ways on this head coach as it looks right now. Yeah. As it looks currently, it just goes to show you how bad things have been since Tepper took over as the new owner. I wonder how much optics, I mean, like on the surface, they probably didn't play a role. But I mean, remember, like when when they hired Frank Reich and they introduced him, um, you know, and Ishroff was like, you know, he you know, said he was a founding member of the organization because he threw the first ever touch uh, touchdown pass in this franchise history. Like, you know, so you let a guy that was one of your own Charlotte's own Steve Wilkes go. But you bring back the quarterback that threw the first ever touchdown. Oh, to really signify, okay, we are bringing back guy that has ties to the to the area. No one's gonna no one's gonna complain about you hiring a offensive minded coach in the modern NFL. I would argue that every coach, every coaching search, I would want my my team to hire an offensive mind. But what's really damning for him right now is this is a seasoned veteran coach, correct? That is getting outdone by a first time head coach. And Shane Steichen in Indianapolis with the rookie quarterback. D'Amico Ryans is a defensive-minded head coach with the rookie quarterback. And they're not babying C.J. Stroud. The guy is setting records. I mean, how many passing yards through his first three starts, through his first four starts? It's not a good look. When you look at the totality of all these other rookies and, and the situations they're in, you got the guy that we thought was the guy, and he's underperforming massively compared to what Stroud and, and Richardson are doing in their situations. If we go back to the head coach hiring process, I was pounding the table for Steve Wilkes. When they decided to go to Frank Reich, I thought, okay, I thought Steve Wilkes did enough to get this job. Frank Reich, you want to go with an offensive mind? Fine. I like Frank Reich as a head coach. I thought he did good things with Indianapolis, and we've talked about it quite a bit. I think offensively, he is a smart guy. Mm -hmm. At least that was the evidence that we saw with Indianapolis where every single year you were changing quarterbacks, where you had different staffs that you were working with because your assistants were getting picked off. Look at Nick Sirianni going to the Philadelphia Eagles organization. And now look at what Philadelphia was able to do with Sirianni as a head coach. They get to the Super Bowl and they look very good. Shane Steichen, we thought, hey, even if you don't get Steichen, we're getting someone where you have to go a little bit further up on the coaching tree. So that's fine. We just got the actual main thing. We got the actual tree trunk instead of the branch that is Shane Steichen. This should work. This is why it's the problem. I, I do think there are some saving graces for Frank Reich, but it comes at the ridicule of the higher ups in this organization with Scott Fitterer and David Tepper because they just haven't put the right personnel around them. I think the offensive line injuries are a legitimate excuse. That's the biggest change in expectation for me. I thought this was going to be a good offensive line. Top 10 to 12 in the league. That's what I thought. But when you have a couple of injuries, Austin Corbett doesn't come back, which we expected, but we didn't think it was going to perform this poorly without him. 
Chandler Zavala has been an unmitigated disaster. It's been as bad as you could possibly think, and then some. I No one thought he would be this bad. Unfortunately, I hate it. I don't want it to happen, but he's been the worst guard in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's not hyperbole. He's been the worst guard in the NFL. He's been worse than Michael Jordan. You really put it into perspective. <laughs> I apologize for everyone that just got chills. Fiddy just said something very taboo that Michael Jordan was better than someone. The football, Michael Jordan. I apologize for everybody that had to hear it. But honestly, Fiddy might be right. He's been that poor. And so as we go on and discuss this coaching staff, we don't. We might not have any faith in Frank Reich. And I wonder how much faith Frank Reich has in his quarterback. Because that's what a lot of people are asking right now. If you look at the deep passing attack, the lack thereof, Frank Reich continues to address it, hear it from himself. Here he is at the podium saying, yeah, I mean, we do need to throw the ball more downfield. I mean, it's really more of a step for us offensively, more chunk plays. Now, this was a game that was unique. I I mentioned it after the game that, you know, it's blitz zero. It's a lot of you got to get it out quick because they're pressuring. It's the same formula that the Chargers had the week before. They were just they. They just did a better job at it than us. So, but as an offense, you know, we got to get the chunk plays in, um, you know, and then, you know, we just got to get the the whole operation better. And that's not on, that's on all of us. He said that a couple times now, and this is the maddening part. It's okay to say that after game one, we want to hear accountability. You should have taken some deep shots. It didn't happen against Atlanta, but it's the first game. We'll have a little bit of patience. Okay, against New Orleans, eh, it's still not really happening. But okay, you seem to want to do it. It happens with Andy Dalton. You take some shots downfield. You threw it way too many times. Frank Reich talked about that. You threw it 58 times. Andy Dalton threw for 360 yards and a couple of touchdown passes. And then here we are against Minnesota, where it looked like Minnesota was susceptible to deep gains because they're sending everybody. And it was hard to run against Minnesota because they've got so many different players in the box. Yeah. But that was the game that you decided to try to establish the run. This seemed like an over. Uh, overcorrection at the exact wrong time. Okay, we don't want to throw it 58 times like we did against Seattle, but now we're going to run it as much as we possibly can against a team that loves to blitz. That doesn't make sense. That was not the right time to overcorrect for a 58-yard passing attempt game. Although, like I'll argue, I I thought when Chuba Hubbard was getting the touches, the running game was there, and it made sense why he was running the ball. I don't know if Miles Sanders is not healthy. I don't know if Miles Sanders got paid and no longer gives a damn. That was where I thought they mistake they made the mistake in the running game. Well, it was always his vision, and his vision, the problem being his vision is playing out on the field. Yeah. Chuba, Chuba is, I'm going to get the football. I'm going to run pretty damn hard between the tackles. No matter what gap there is, if it's a big one, if it's small, I'm going to run with physicality, and I'm going to pick up these hard-earned yards. Or Miles Sanders, sometimes it works where he dances, but it hasn't been nearly as much this year. And that's been the problem between the two running backs and why we like the guy that you drafted in the fourth round over the guy that got the richest contract for a free agent running back this offseason. You know what my biggest issue, though, with that statement he made about the chunk plays and, and why the game plan was the way that it was? was he referenced the Chargers. And look, the Chargers did throw the ball 14 times at or behind the line of scrimmage against Minnesota. Carolina was 11. Coaches overthink this stuff, man, because it's a copycat league. Well, look at the teams that have killed Minnesota's passing game. Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, and the Chargers. What do they have that you don't have? Established number one wide receivers. Great skill position talent. You don't have that. 
And so, why I get you got to look at what those teams did successful in the passing game. You got to realize you don't got the same the same dudes that those teams have. The only thing that does is that actually might feed the argument though for Frank Reich if you think about it. Because, but but here's why: because you're not calling those deep shots because you don't have Mike Williams at a time. You don't have Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, great deep threat. You don't have that, and so that's why you don't throw those passes. If you'll remember what Baker Mayfield has done well, this was week one. We look at Mike Evans. Mike Evans, the dude has not received less than a thousand yards in a season yet in his NFL career. And so you throw the ball downfield to him. That's a passing attack. That is a weapon that the Panthers don't have. And so you're right. We're saying the same thing, except I imagine Frank Reich would use exactly what you said as evidence as to why he didn't throw it deep down the field. And you're saying it's evidence as to why he should have thrown more deep downfield. But like also, like, here's my thing. Teams that throw the ball at or behind the line of scrimmage. You know what? You know what those guys do? They make guys miss. They break tackles. They get a lot of yak. Who on this roster, outside of maybe Adam Thielen, as currently constructed with DJ Chark not 100%, well, Jonathan Mingo not uh, available to play, who's making dudes miss and making big plays after they make the catch? You know what? It's one of the draft picks that Scott Fitterer had in Jonathan Mingo. And so. He hasn't done that in the first couple of games. Doesn't play in this game with having the concussion protocol. And so with Jonathan Mingo being that guy, and now you have your first two picks not looking great right now, including Bryce Young. Whether you want to put a lot of blame on him or not, Bryce Young has not looked as good as C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. And so now it's, here we are again, coaching staff not looking great. Bryce Young not looking great. And then you can even go to your second round wide receiver. Man, that is a high pick. 39, you're getting close to the first round that also isn't producing right now. Not his fault with the concussion. I'm just saying even before that, drop passes. This isn't something that we can write the rest of his career based off what he's done the first couple of games. But it's just hard to point somewhere and say, that's where the hope lies offensively. I can't point anywhere. Mm -hmm. I can't. Oh, Mingo looks like a stud with the football in his hands. Bryce Young looks like a stud. The offensive line, Nicky Aquanu, at least he's protecting the blind side. I can't point anywhere creativity no it's not there and that's why with it not not looking at all like an offensive product that you're proud of that's the hard part i think for this fan base to swallow even if you were zero and four but you were competing and bryce young was throwing for 250 and looked good that would be a lot easier to swallow but man it is not happening right now and that's why we might be the saddest building bank of america might be the saddest building in the nfl as it stands yeah i mean look the raiders are going to challenge that because mark davis was arguing with fans the other day at the game and so are the bears the bears yeah. are challenging it too <laughs> yeah the, the, bear, the bears are a train wreck i just thought you know, you go back and you look at Bryce Young's passing chart from Sunday's game. His intermediate stuff was there. And so where I think the frustration is, I know people want to see LaVisca Chanel get the ball more, and that's definitely an argument. Sunday, to me, was a game where Hayden Hurst should have lived and feasted. As much as they were blitzing, get the ball to him in the middle of the field. You know, and, and so I think this, the game planning, I think, has to be better. And use the person that you're given in the current state with it not being healthy – getting the most out of it. I think that's why this fan base is so is so enraged because Steve Wilkes got 
more with less a year ago than what Frank Reich is doing right now as Carolina's 0-4. All right, you can continue to text us. It's hot. The text line is popping, as Wes Bryant might say, 704-570-9610. You're giving us all your thoughts on the coaching staff, on the draft picks, on Scott Fitterer. You can continue to do so. We'll read some on the other side of the break. We are going to move to the campus corner. We'll do an ACC QB check-in. Riley Leonard got some news on his injury and also the NC State quarterback change. We'll discuss MJ Morris now starting for State instead of Brennan Armstrong. Wes and Walker, Fitty filling in. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It doesn't feel the same. I can't come in with the same kind of energy that Wes Bryant does. Not only do I not have that mantra surrounding me when I do try to come in with a nice intro for Campus Corner, but I'm playing hurt. If I bring you any volume, my voice is going to crack like Trey Wingo. Not Trey Wingo. More so Reese Davis on the call for that Notre Dame Duke game. Uh, We didn't talk about that at all. Man, my guy was hurting. I mean, I get it. I'm doing it now. I don't sound like he does, but man, by the end of that game, he told you, I'm going to have to rest my voice and hopefully he can get ready for college game day next weekend. Was it just, was it just me that he tried to sound like Fowler and it just wasn't like he was trying to get to, you know, when Fowler makes a big emphatic call, like he was trying to get to places where his voice just can't get to. And uh, it was, let me just say this. It was not the best broadcast. Well, my, my guy on, on Saturday night, you know, his it, voice was awful. His voice was not great. Um, whoever produced the show um, and came back with the James Taylor Carolina in my mind multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good read the room, bro. That's not that's not a Duke thought. That, 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 that's not a Duke song. So I saw this asked on Twitter. Who is that more embarrassing for or who should feel worse about that? Should it be Tar Heel fans or Duke fans? Uh. What are we embarrassed? Like, like, well, like, 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 Duke, you, like Duke, they felt inclined to play our song during a Duke game. So, but you, but you could feel territorial about it. I mean, because it's a song that's oh. pretty popular, makes you think of North Carolina. You would want that to have only for the heels. And I didn't know if there was any terror, you know, some fight for territory with that being used for Duke. That would be the angle. No, I mean, I, I didn't get that impression. I just thought it was funny that ESPN, which is, you know, specialized in Duke propaganda for 15 years. Is that right? I, I forgot about this take from you. Oh, man, basketball season, it's coming up. <laughs> You're just getting primed, baby. You know, they couldn't find some song from New Jersey to best represent the school in Durham. All right, well, let's continue to talk about Duke football. I, I can't bring the energy, but I, I need somebody to do it. Fitty, you are one that can. You wanted to bring in a segment. You wanted to lead a few times. Uh-oh. This is your chance. Can you fill the shoes the size 13 to 14 shoes of Wes Bryant and tell us what's coming up the way that he does it. Can you please do that for me? All right, Walker, it's time to go to the uh, campus corner. Is that good? No, that was really weak. Really? That was really weak. I mean, I'm going to do it. If I, all right, I'm going to try to beat you and then the listeners can tell me, but my voice is going to give up. It's going to be awful. I'm going to try it. Oh God. Okay, here we go. Time now to go to the campus. Okay. Yeah. Yours was yours was better. All right. And you got to hit that all right before you start rolling in, too. 
All right. <laughs> That's how Wes sets up, sets up the segment. Riley Leonard, we all saw the unfortunate ending to that game if you are a Blue Devil fan. Not only did they only rush three on the Sam Hartman fourth and 16 rushing pickup, but then they allowed a rushing touchdown right after that. Duke did have some semblance of hope. They had a couple of timeouts. They had... 30 seconds to march a long way, albeit, but they did have enough opportunities, I would imagine, to march downfield. Too bad the last offensive play of the game was Riley Leonard fumbling the football and also suffering what we thought was a pretty devastating injury. Good news coming in yesterday is that it is not as devastating as previously thought. Report from Pete Thamel. Duke junior quarterback Riley Leonard has a high right ankle sprain and has a realistic chance of returning later this month for the Blue Devils. He's expected to miss multiple weeks. Duke does have a bye this week before hosting NC State October 14th, but then they play a couple of ranked squads, Florida State October 21st and Louisville October 28th. Even if we can be happy about Riley Leonard's season not coming to an end, I hate that it happened. In this stretch, I want him to be there for North Carolina. I want that game desperately. But for the NC State, Florida State, and Louisville, I mean, you could, especially with Notre Dame, if you just want to go with a four-game sample, and that's how we want to measure the stretches, I mean, I want him to be healthy for a Florida State contest alongside a now-ranked Louisville team. But they're going to hit the road. They're going to Tallahassee to take on the Seminoles, and they're going to hit the road to take now what is the 25th best team in college football in Louisville. Maybe he can come back against Wake Forest. Hopefully he comes back against North Carolina November 11th. Even uh, even if I'm happy that he's back, I hate that it happens during this stretch. Yeah, because I mean, I think even even when Duke blew the blew the game is is a correct way to say it. I still think you came away from Saturday encouraged that this team could make it to the ACC title game with the way that defense slowed down Clemson's offense, the way that it, it, it really dominated Notre Dame's offensive line. And it wasn't like Riley was great on Saturday. He was not at his best, like he wasn't in the game against Clemson. But you know without him, their chances of winning go down dramatically. The bye week is going to be a, a really big role because we saw Bryce Young, who had a quote-unquote ankle sprain come back after missing one week. Maybe he's a fast healer and he is back because I think they can beat NC State at home without him because NC State's offense isn't good, and I like Duke's defense just a tad bit better than I like the Wolfpacks. But it's a hard task to ask them to go to Florida State and Louisville and even split. All right, let's continue to check in on the ACC QBs. We'll split these segments up. We'll talk about it a little bit more later on in the show. I did want to go to Raleigh, discuss MJ Morris officially being named the starter for NC State. Here's the question to you, Fiddy. How different would State's record be had he been the starter from the beginning, like quite a few at least WFNZ texters and listeners were clamoring for? I think at best they're four and one because maybe he puts up more points than what they did against Louisville. Um, I don't think that if he was playing, they would have beaten Notre Dame. Uh, so I'm not going to go out here and say I think NC State would be five right. and zero. Oh. There's still a very good chance they would be three and two, but I think it could be a different three and two because you might be feel you might feel more encouraged that you can beat some of the the tougher teams. You still got to play moving forward if your offense was scoring hell 24 points per game. 
Does he throw the big-time interceptions that Brennan Armstrong did against Louisville? There was one game where MJ Morris did have multiple interceptions, but that was it. The other starts that you saw, what was a very small sample size, but the other starts you saw, that's why people had so much hope surrounding MJ Morris coming into this season, and then they go out and they get Brennan Armstrong to pair him with Robert and I. So that's my thing. I think you're probably talking about 4-1. and one. I hate even doing that. I hate doing the, oh, if this would have happened, they would have won the whole shoulda, this, whatever. Football's weird. There's too many things to point to and say there could have been a different result. But when Brandon Armstrong played that poorly and MJ Morris has enough talent to maybe even if you're talking about him starting and then getting in a groove with these wide receivers, I don't know if you only put up 10 points against a team like Louisville. That's my biggest question. It's going to be interesting to see how different this offense looks because, I mean, I think you could make the argument that Brennan Armstrong is being handicapped like Bryce Young is here with the Panthers. He doesn't have the wide receiver talent he had at uh, Virginia. I mean, uh, uh, Concepcion is, is, is a nice player, but he's not a dominant number one. And I don't know if Robert and I's play calling has been suitable to what uh, to, to put him in the best position possible. Because mm-hmm. by the, the fourth quarter, he's got to be just physically give out because – He's their running game and he's their passing game. It's a, really, it's a really hard thing to do that for four quarters, week in, week out. All right, let's move on. Not before I remind you about the NASCAR Cup Series returning to Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Bank of America Roval 400. WFNZ has your chance to win tickets. If you want a shot, see all of the playoff action by texting us the keyword race. All you have to do is just text that one word, not anything else, race, R-A-C-E, to the WFNZ text line at 704 704- 570-9610 and you can be registered to win again race to 704 570-9610 and you have a chance to win let's move on let's talk to joe person about the struggles of the carolina panthers and their 0-4 start that's coming up next sports radio 92.7 wfnz 